It is Tuesday of the 85th Masters, and on today's show, you're going to hear from everyone, plus DJ is serving pigs in a blanket tonight. Really? We'll have the details. Fairways of Life is worldwide. Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program on this Tuesday of Masters Week. I guess you could look upon it as good news with some of the reports coming from uh, Augusta that, for example, Brooks Kepka is out practicing again. Apparently, the knee is strong enough, which is remarkable given how hilly the golf course is. And from people that have had knee issues that I've spoken to, they said where it's really painful is where you're, when you're walking downhill. And there's a lot of that at Augusta National as well. But he's there. I know one of the game's tough guys, and, and he's certainly toughing it out. Uh, John Rahm is there. He and his wife had their baby, a little baby boy named Keppa. And uh, we have, there you go. If you're watching us on the television side, you can see the picture of the little guy. And Kepa is a name that originates from the Basque region where John is from in Spain. Uh, and it basically means stone. It stands for strength. So congratulations to uh, John and his wife and the, and the new little guy that, that are all doing well and healthy from all that we have heard. Now, you heard me teasing that DJ is serving pigs in a blanket. And I wasn't kidding. So Dom, the foodie amongst us, take us through this menu and, and give us your assessment of what you're seeing line by. Uh, I'd be happy to, Matt. If you're watching on the TV side, you can see, uh, I can't see it because Andrew <laughs> is blocking it. But <laughs> so there, on the, if you're on the TV side, you can see it. There's a nice little picture of the menu uh, there. So for appetizers, he is having, as as Matt alluded to, pigs in a blanket, but he's also having lobster and corn fritters. And then they have a first course, very fancy, first course, house salad or Caesar salad. You have a choice, which is great. And then they're having family-style sides. Very Dominic. I like that. Mashed potatoes and spring vegetables. I'm guessing that means that there's a giant vat of mashed potatoes in various sections of the tables. Sure. And so you have to be like, hey, hey, old Masters champion, can you pass me those mashed potatoes? And everyone is just shoving their hands into the same big vat. And somehow I, I, I find that endearing. The can main you course. If you, can you imagine if you're Dustin sitting Johnson next to evening. Gary Player and you're like just going to town and putting potatoes on your plate? He's sitting, he's just staring at you, not saying anything, just looking. Well, he probably, he's going to make some mean comments, I would think, about some of these things. So, like, if you could have a house salad, and you're like, Gary, can you pass some of those fritters? What? You want yeah. fritters? You're fat. So, Pigs in a blanket. <laughs> for his main course, a filet mignon oh, and a miso-marinated sea bass. Very fancy. A little surprised by the fanciness of that from DJ, to be honest with you. We'll start with uh, And then for dessert, yeah, that's true. For dessert, peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream, which oh. I feel like vanilla ice cream shows up on a lot of these menus. Well, that's just classic. That's just classic. I like it. It sounds good to me. Question is, with pigs in a blanket, do you serve on the side in fancy little serving cups like a mustard, a spicy mustard, like a Dijon? Or do you just go with, do you even put ketchup on there or is that insulting? 
Um, I, I would say that, especially in that establishment, I would imagine that it'll be a fancy mustard of some kind. Fancy mustard. I, I would eat it with any kind of dip. Or no dip at all. I'll, <laughs> it works out fine for me. <laughs> and I wonder if I, it, I would if think it's going to be like a fancy Dijon type Are they the tiny I'm little pigs by in a blanket? Many. Do impressed. you know what I'm saying? I, I've seen different sized pigs in a blanket. I wonder if these are the little, like, finger ones. No, they're all. No, they definitely are. First of all, it's an appetizer. Little Second ones? of all, pigs in a blanket in a in a normal large form is very rare, and it would also well, be way more of like a main style course. Yeah, but they're not going to serve full hot dogs wrapped in like a croissant. You don't know, Don. <laughs> I do know. I absolutely know. He's look, he's investigating this. You know what? You know what we've never our done. Our food correspondent. What's that? Now, I, I think that there's a very good chance. I'm probably not even allowed to say this, but I, I would like, I would like to interview whoever's cooking these meals every year at Augusta. They probably have some head chef back there. That's who we need on this show, the headmaster chef. I know where you're going with no? that too. You, you're you're thinking like the chef and what was that, the cartoon movie Ratatouille? The chef gets the menu and he's like, pigs in a blanket. Who serves pigs in a blanket? And they call special. <laughs> he's like, he's the, he's the defending champion. He can serve whatever he wants. I refute you. Must well, I, well, make pigs in a blanket. Full stop. Yes, but my angle was actually more, if you need some help back there, I'm your guy. Oh, you'd be the worst sous chef. No, I'd be the best. You'd be the be worst. Because as the, as the guy's doing something, you'd be like, what are you doing, you idiot? You don't serve full-size <laughs> pigs in a blanket. No one does that. And wrap it in a croissant, you'd be like, Dominic, <laughs> shut up. Will you just do what I tell you to do? Make the house salad. I think I'd be good, Matt. Oh, my God, it'd be horrible. I mean, you might think it'd be good, but then at the end of the week, to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, didn't, it didn't work out for y'all. We'll let it go with that. How about the weather? Well, there's your menu. Did, did you, there's your did you, That's the menu. That's, that's what DJ is serving. Uh, Dom, tell us about what's going on with the weather there uh, in, in Augusta this week. and how the, Right now, we know the golf course is running hard. We know it's running fast. Very distinctively different than it was in November when DJ shot the record round of 20 under, uh, record score 20 under. It's not going to be that case this year unless, is there any chance of water coming in? There is a little bit of a chance of water, as you can see if you're watching on the TV side. Um, Thursday, no rain. First round, looking good. Mid-80s, beautiful. A little bit of wind, not too bad. Uh, on Friday is when they're talking about a possibility of scattered thunderstorms. And right now, as you can see on the screen there, it's 43% chance of that happening. I've seen some ah. things that are right around 50. So it's really 50-50 whether that happens. And it's also not supposed to like rain all day long. So there'll oh, be a little bit of moisture, but not a ton. And then same thing on Saturday. For the, round, for the third round. Oh, by the way, it's mid-80s in terms of temperatures the entire oh, tournament. perfect. Which is good news. Um, so, for, again, Saturday, slight chance of rain, scattered, uh, you know, isolated thunderstorms. Again, around the 50% range. So, I think, we're, I think it's a pretty good situation, Matt, weather-wise. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they won't have any major issues. And I also don't think that the moisture from the rain that is in the forecast right now is going to cause a problem. Awesome stuff. That's good news. Now, sometimes the weather in April in Augusta, as you guys well know, can be cool. Like the year that Zach Johnson won when it was cool. But Zach Johnson was talking about just how cool it is to be at that Champions Dinner. He also spoke to us recently about what he served at the Champions Dinner and just how it all goes down. I relish it. 
Um, part of it's I like to eat, <laughs> and the food is always fantastic. Uh, but uh, most of it is just because I'm able to, you know, hang out with these uh, these gentlemen from different eras, different generations, pioneers of the game, and obviously some of my peers too that uh, are able to wear that jacket. So uh, I applaud Augusta National, um, certainly Buzzy Johnson, uh, but specifically Fred Ridley and his and his staff for you know allowing us to come there Tuesday night in a safe manner. Um, but yeah, it was it was a special evening. The food was fantastic. Um, it was my first Masters experience where Tiger was able to host us. Um, all of the, his previous four victories were prior to my win, so uh, I had not seen him win one. Uh, so that was cool. Um, and his, you know, he gave obviously gave a little speech, and um, you know, it probably felt like thirty minutes to him, but it was probably all of about four or five minutes. And uh, the emotion was real. Um, as it is with anybody that's standing in that seat, um, real, genuine, and uh, poignant, but also you know not not cheesy, just just real. And um, he is human. <laughs> uh, at one point, I didn't think he was, but that was a while back. Uh, he is definitely um, has has all the raw emotion you would have with uh, winning that jacket, and specifically coming back from where he came from. So. Um, you know, we were all excited to be around him and, and certainly uh, witnessed that. And then obviously to have him say the words he said, um, I think touched everyone in that room. Um, and a couple other guys stood up and gave their piece, uh, which is not uncommon. So um, it was it was special. It's something I'll never forget. And, um, you know, I was able to have a nice embrace with Tiger and, um no, it, it, it's just, it's, last year was something, if you're a golf fan or even just a sports fan, you're probably never going to forget because it's one of the best comebacks in all sports. Obviously, his comments there, Matt, were prior to Tiger Woods' accident. He was discussing Tiger Woods' special dinner, obviously being the past Masters Championship in November. Uh, that's that that must have been a really cool dinner to be a part of. Now, Zach Johnson had a dinner of his own, obviously, in 2008, and we have actually a picture of his menu from Somebody that day. Somebody wrote all over it, Dom. Somebody wrote all over it. <laughs> this was actually up for auction at one point for uh, $75. No, I'm just kidding. It <laughs> went yeah, for a lot Add a couple now. zeros. So this is, his, this is his dinner. Grilled jumbo shrimp, for, for those listening on the radio. Crab cakes. Veal asabuco ravioli with a lobster bisque, a chopped salad. And listen to this. Prime filet mignon and seared ahi tuna. Very similar to DJ. DJ's got the filet mignon, and he's got a, uh, a sea bass. So kind of a surf and turf thing going yeah, on. Yeah, and a very touch of lobster in Johnson both of them. Did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's pretty cool. Yeah, By the way, very, a, lot of very, a lot of similarities there. What we were kidding about, and the reason why that menu was also, I guess, trying to be auctioned somewhere, so they're telling us, it's signed by Doug Ford, Arnold Palmer, and Bob Golby, and, and obviously Mr. Palmer and Ford are no longer with us, so you've got – you know, Masters champions, uh, one of them that won four times, in fact, that have signed this menu. Uh, and the fact that they're no longer here r- would clearly, obviously, raise the value of the same. And they're on the left side of the menu, and Bob Golby's is on the right side of the menu. Uh, Billy Horschel joined us recently, and we were talking about his form. Uh, obviously, this was in the wake of his victory. 
and talking about now heading into Augusta and the Masters this week with his confidence soaring. I'm looking forward to Augusta. It's uh, it's a great place. Um, I have said in the past it wasn't I wasn't um, very fond of it because growing up as a very blue collar kid and everything, I've always loved Augusta, but I always thought it was uptight, stiff uh, place. But the more I've been there, the more I've gotten to know the members there. They're just great people that love golf, that love to um, showcase what they have, and and really they give the patrons an unbelievable. Uh, experience there and I think uh, next week's gonna be a fun week my game is is trending in the right direction we've worked really hard over the last couple of years to be able to be a more re- well-rounded player um, and Augusta challenges every aspect of that from your iron play to your putting to your short game shots so um, yeah we'll see what it has in store to me I'm just gonna as I said my expectations I'm gonna try and keep as low as possible and not focus on what we all want to do is put on a green jacket I'm just going to try and go in out there and focus on what I need to do, and, and that's just make better golf swings and, and, and focus on the little things I need to do to play well that week. That was Billy Horschel when he joined us just a little while ago on the Fairways of Life show, talking about the excitement of Masters Week, which is upon us. So golfoddstracker.com is where you can log on and you can see the odds. They're updated based upon the global odds. And the reason why I phrase it that way and the reason why we do it is that If you get odds from one particular sports book, I think everybody understands that those odds will be manipulated based upon betting to make sure that the house is covering the highs and lows. So what we do when we go to golfoddstracker.com is that we're getting odds that are coming in from dozens of of betting houses all over the world and giving you the, the mean. So with that, Dom, before we get into who the favorites are, just because we just heard from Billy Horschel and we heard from Zach as well, I'm curious about where, where Billy Horschel's odds are. I'm curious where Zach Johnson's odds are, and then we can jump to the top of the pile and see who the favorites are. Sure. Billy, uh, Billy Horschel's odds right now are 81.5 to 1. Which Ooh. is not the best odds, to be honest. No, Zach uh, Johnson's well, they're the best for them. to one, so he's okay. way down there. Yeah, but I mean, with Billy, he ju- he's just coming off a victory. And obviously, again, his confidence is going to be soaring. He might be he might be worth it. See, sometimes like with with Patty Powers in 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 Ireland, oftentimes around the the majors, they'll do they'll pay out half based upon a top ten. And I think either one of them might be might be worth a you know a look with with the top ten. What's that, Don? Well, I'm just saying that with Horschel's odds being where they are, you're right. He's playing well, but again, I think a lot of times odds makers included past experience at Augusta plays a very large role in the odds. True, I'd, his, agree, I'd, I'd agree with that. His finishes at the Masters have not been great. Thirty seventh, he was cut. Seventeenth, missed the cut. Fifty sixth, thirty eighth. So in the in the in, the, in his appearances at Augusta, and it's it's ironic too because we the the cut we just heard from him, he talked about how early in his career he didn't it wasn't his favorite place. He's he's sort of um, warmed up to it, if you yeah. will. So maybe that's maybe that's a good sign. All right, well take us up to the top of the table. Who who are the favorites on this Tuesday morning to win the Masters? Well, right now it's obviously you would imagine that 
Jordan Spieth, as you can see there on the screen next to Matt, is the odds. Uh, Jordan Spieth, you would have thought, made a huge leap, and he did, because his odds were hanging around 15, 16, 17, depending on where you looked. Yeah. And right now, he's jumped up to 10.5 to 1, which is the third favorite right now. Dustin Johnson uh, is still the odds-on favorite. 8.54 to 1 right now to win the Masters. Bryson DeChambeau is at 10.25 to 1. And there is Jordan Spieth, as mentioned, 10.5 to 1. And Justin Thomas at 10.94 to 1. So there's kind of a huge chunk of guys. They're all crammed together. Uh, and in the past, you know, whatever number of years, I feel like it's usually sort of been one, two, three guys that are always kind of away from the pack. I know the last few years Rory's been separated by quite a bit. DJ's usually been separated. But it's pretty jam-packed in there, Matt. There's a lot of guys that have a chance. Nobody seems to be a clear runaway favorite this year. All right, based on the names that I'm looking at right now on, on the board that Dom mentioned on the TV side, you can see it is still displayed. Andrew has it up. I'm going to go with John Rahm. You cannot pick a name that's already been picked, Dominic. Who's yours? John Rahm for me to win the match. Does it have to be on the I'm list that we're looking at, or can I pick anybody? Yeah, no, 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 it has to be that list right there. Who would I'm going to take Rory. That list? Rory. Oh, <laughs> I can ma- I give all kinds of names, but I'm going with Rory. Rory, Rory McElroy, final answer. I'm gonna, I'm all right, take Andrew, who, who do you have? He's 15.94 to one, by the way. Yep. Patrick Cantlay for Andrew. Oh. Did you hear his comments yesterday, Matt, in the press room? What Patrick's? Yeah. Yes. He has got Augusta figured out, man. Yeah. And he's been spending a lot of time with Fred Couples too, so. That's Andrew's. Andrew must know something we don't know. Cantlay, you're talking about? Yes. Okay. All right. I, I don't think it's a bad pick, to tell you the truth. I think he's got a beautiful swing, beautiful balance. I think if the if the if the putter's uh, on song that week, this week, then he's got a chance. Now, uh, speaking about where you're going to see and watch and who you're going to follow, there is so much content emanating from Augusta this week. We're going to go into it with some detail in terms of what and where you can find it. But Michael Lees from ESPN will be one of the primary hosts of the coverage from Augusta National. And he joined us recently to talk about how and why this place is so special. Again, I've played golf since I was a kid. My father brought me into the game. And, you know, some of my first early golf memories were he and I sitting down to watch this event. And for me to be a part of the telecast, just the first time going down there to, to do stuff for Sports Center was one of the most heartfelt moments of my career in terms of appreciation for someone to include me in that. And to this year be able to take over the role that Tom Rinaldi had for us for the last several years to do those player interviews on Thursday and Friday again. Like, you know, Matt, we, we, we got into this job because we love the game and we love sport and we get to a place of success and you know, if, if you told us this 20 years ago, we'd be like, no way, you got to do that. And sometimes we lose sight of that as we get more and more involved in our career. But this is totally one of those pinch me moments that I'm going to be involved in the Masters telecast. Um, I, I just, I'll give all these Emmys for this opportunity on Thursday and Friday. Look, I've always said that sports is the most inclusive aspect of American society, right? It's the thing that brings us together the most in terms of demographics. I don't care what city you are in, if that if it's a Kansas City Chiefs, you can have an, a, an old Jewish lady 
and a young Muslim boy, and they cheer for the same team. That there's really not many things in in life that you can get different people uh, aligned to the same entity, right? Sports is that vehicle. But in the case last year, sports wasn't that important for a while. It just wasn't because we were talking life or death there for a minute because we didn't understand what was going on and people were starting to lose their jobs and people were fighting for their lives and like. Did you really care when the Dodgers and the Padres are going to play again? No. But once we get past a certain point, then what we have discovered, go back to 9-11, some other things that have happened tragedy-wise in our society, is that we feel as if once sports are back in play, we are getting back to some type of normalcy with everyday life. And that is the, that is the sign of hope that things are getting better. I definitely agree with that. That was a little clip that we actually had sent out through our social media. That's why you heard the music and, and the uh, tag at the end of where you can find the Fairways of Life show, of course, on Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube. So uh, while Michael, we were playing back that clip from Michael, I did look up uh, Patrick Cantlay to get the background into what Don was talking about. This is from Golf Week. Uh, Adam Shupak writes, before Patrick Cantlay won the 2018 Memorial Tournament, he picked the brain of club founder and former champion Jack Nicklaus. Could gaining insight into how to play Augusta National from a past champion in Fred Couples reap the same benefit? Only time will tell, but Cantlay, world number 10, is beginning to feel a level of comfort at Augusta National, where his best results has been a ninth-place finish in 2019. Quote, I think I've tried to draw on a lot of Fred Couples' knowledge, said Cantlay, who teamed with Couples in a practice round match against Xander Shoffley and Max Homa. Cantlay got to know Couples quite well in recent years after Couples moved to Newport Beach, California, not far from where Cantlay grew up, before moving to Florida. Quoting again, we played almost every Sunday when I was home, said Cantlay, who noted that Couples is much more cerebral and maybe uh, than you might imagine. He says, I mean, people think, oh, he's, he's a freak. He just hits it close because he... He can feel it from 175 yards, but but it's not as much that. I think instinctively he picks the right shot a lot, either a draw or a fade, and then he puts the right puts the right input into his brain. And quote, Cantlay competed on the U.S. President's Cup team in 2019, where Couples served as a vice captain of Tiger Woods, and remembers thinking that if everyone was picking one person in the team room to have dinner with, it'd be Couples. You could feel that. Cantlay said. He's just great. So has Cantlay, Cantlay's golf uh, been since October when he shot a final round 65 at the Zozo Championship? Cantlay trailed Dustin Johnson by one stroke heading into the weekend at the Masters in November and played the first three rounds alongside of DJ. But Cantlay got left in the dust on Saturday as Johnson shot 65 to his 73 and finished tied for 17th. He said, I think he birdied maybe for the first six or four of the first seven or something like that, Cantlay said. That was impressive because the course was playing more difficult that day. Cantlay has finished in the top three twice so far this season and arrived early to play a couple of practice rounds at Augusta National last week with friends. Quoting, the more I play this place, the more I get comfortable with the shots. I think confidence builds on itself around here. You hit those shots really well a few times in pressure situation. That builds the picture and reinforces it even better, and you just take that every year going forward. Cantlay 29 sounded like a wily veteran despite having just 14 competitive rounds at Augusta National in his four starts where he described the course as a series of red, yellow, and green flags. Not as many yellows as red or greens, but 
you do get on a red hole location, which would be a back left hole location on the sixth hole. Guys aren't making birdie there to the back left hole location on the sixth hole, especially if it's firm, he explained. It took a few planes of the Masters for Cantlay to realize he didn't need to curve the ball as much as he imagined growing up watching the tournament on TV. When asked to describe a particular hole where he benefited from course knowledge, he highlighted the way he plays number 10. He said, quote, I used to think I wanted to hit driver like way down the first time I saw it as an amateur and get a short club in there, but a three wood almost to the same spot. And it's so much easier to hit in the fairway. So the tee shot on seven is kind of tough. The hole looks like a fade to me, but whenever I try to hit the fade, I always pull it in the left trees. So I just try to hit a draw down there, my normal swing. I almost imagined being a shot maker almost too much. And so now just getting comfortable with more of my stock shots wherever it fits. And the golf course is so big that there's a lot of space for your stock. Shot. All right, you can find that at golfweek.com. Again, Adam Schupak wrote that article on Patrick Cantlay. Some fascinating insight. Andrew's picked him for this week. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by an absolute legend, a multiple-time major champion, someone that has knocked on the door at Augusta National and still remembers it very, very well. Plus, he has distinguished himself in multiple other ways, including the Ryder Cup. Hint, hint. Do you know who I'm talking about yet? And becoming one of the greatest in the world at the short game. All of that lies in stories we recently had a chance to speak with this legend after these words in the Fairways of Life show of MastersWeekTourEdge.com. Log on there and check out the new 721 series. It comes in C, it comes in E, C being competitive, E being for all of the extra forgiveness that you possibly could want. The bottom line is, is that these clubs are the most beautiful clubs I've ever seen from Tour Edge, and they're absolutely packed with technology. There's ridgeback chassis that's surrounded by a liberal use of carbon that they call carbon wings. Well, those wings take flight for you when you want to use that driver. It is gorgeous, and it extends throughout all of the fairway metals as well, right down to the hybrids. Everything is covered by a lifetime warranty, and you'll be pleased to know you don't have to get a, a second mortgage in the house in order to buy your product from Tour Edge. They're sold everywhere. TourEdge.com to get started to decide what is right for you. Back with more of the Fairways of Life show on this Master's Week after these words. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit French Lick. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgestone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, I made a superior product, so I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgestone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. 
Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, and Gil Hansen's Black Course. Secluded by thousands of acres, the greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com As promised, we're going to be joined by an absolute legend. Dave Stockton is one of my favorite people in the world of golf. Consider the fact from 1965 to 1991, he basically played in 10 or more events each and every year. That's a quarter century of golf at the highest level. In total, Dave played 559 PGA Tour events. He collected 10 victories, 9 runner-ups, 87 top 10s and an incredible 185 top 25s. His prowess, however, did not dwindle as he aged. He transitioned to what's now called the PGA Tour Champions in 92. And when all was said and done, he started another 436 events there. On that tour, he had 14 wins, 25 runner-ups. And if you're counting at home, that's 1,035 tour events and 450 top 25s. That's 43% of the time that Dave Stockton teed it up professionally. He was in the top 25 basically over 45 years. Unbelievable. Two major championships, the 1970-1976 PGA Championships, two Ryder Cup teams in 71 and 77. He was a captain of the 1991 United States Ryder Cup team. He is, as you well know, a short game and putting guru amongst his attributes, and he won multiple major championships, including the U.S. Senior Open as part of the Senior Tour again, now called the PGA Tour Champions. Great to catch up with him and talk a little bit of Masters. David, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Good to see you. Nice looking room you're in. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is our our new studio. I appreciate that. How have you been? How has the family gotten through all the madness of COVID? Well, we've been fine. Uh, We all, Kathy and I, both have our shots, and uh, 
we're looking for redemption and going to go to the Masters, uh, which will be the first time out in about 13 months. I don't even know what a plane looks like. So it, uh, it's been crazy out here in California. We, When we got our second shots, we went to uh, Arizona for six days just to vacation and get away. And yeah. It shows you how enclosed we are in California. Kathy saw a school bus in Arizona full of kids, and she got so excited because we haven't seen any in California. We're locked down because we're – our governor decides he's going to shut us out, I guess. But uh, we've been fine, thank you. And the kids are fine, grandkids are fine. So we've weathered the storm pretty well. So glad to hear that. You know, when, when you mentioned the Masters, it's interesting to me, Dave, that when you look at your career, you have more top 10, with the two wins at the PGA Championship, but you still have more top 10s and more top 5s at Augusta National than any other major. So clearly there was something about that property that worked well with you. How would you define what it was about Augusta National that was so good for Dave Stockton? Uh, I, I just, I thought it was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been to. Uh, you know how I like to fish. Uh, so I didn't over-practice, that's for sure. I learned what I could on the golf course, but uh, I, had, I had some good company in Sam Snead and some others that would go over there on the lakes that they see during the par three contest. And uh, it was a week that I could relax. And when you had those in the weekend, the good tee times that were like two o'clock or so, and you had to kill half a morning, uh, it just gave me a good place to go and a sanctuary that, that let me feel really at, at peace with myself. Uh, the golf course itself, because it, it favored a longer hitter, wasn't my favorite, but you know, I love the fact that the greens were perfect. And uh, as long as the putts would tend to drop, which they did there, uh, I, I had a good run. And you're right. I, <laughs> I, I could remember starting out, I'd gone 33 holes without making a bogey. And they had the pin short on 16. And I, I walked off there still without a bogey, except I'd put it in the lake and oh. uh, made a double. But uh, I... I found Augusta pretty easy. There wasn't that much trouble. I could be crooked, and there was no rough handle the stuff. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. There was, there was nothing about Augusta that you didn't like. Plus, it's the fact, since it's the only major we play the same course year in and year out, although they tweak it a bit, uh, you can get very comfortable. You learn, you learn how to play the thing. You know, it's interesting, Dave. When, if someone takes the time to look at your career, and look at your wins, whether we're talking about major championships or otherwise on either the PGA Tour or the what's now called PGA Tour champions. I always think a measure of a great player is who they had to beat in order to win. And how many times in your case you look at, for example, when you won your first PGA championship and you overcame Bob Murphy and won Arnold Palmer to do so. How many times you see names like Raymond Floyd mix in there? Uh, the fact that Jack finished just a couple strokes behind you in 76 at that PGA championship, it's stout. It also speaks to the period in which you competed. You just invoked the name of Sam Snead. You were talking about fishing with the likes of Sam Snead. But to think about the fact that you played with players from the era of Sam Snead all the way up until the early 90s, what an incredible time period you had to, to, to do what you did professionally. Yeah, it's neat. I, I can remember, you know, you starting out and you saw uh, Demerit or you saw Hogan or you saw Snead. Oh. Uh, it, it, it was unbelievable. Tommy Bolt uh, and uh, Bob, Jim uh, Burke from Houston down there, Jackie Burke. 
uh, Don January, who's one of my idols for some of the help he's given me on tour mentally. Uh, it just, it was a great time. And then to, to last long enough to actually run into Tiger, uh, doing, doing, you know, doing, uh, commercial stuff and everything, but it, it, it's been a great run and it just speaks to the type of people. But, uh, the thing for me, <laughs> I never thought about the people I was playing with. And I think one of the things that attracted me to a lot of the majors is that, the golf courses that I've won on, I think that's the proudest thing to me. Not the guys that I beat, but the courses I've won on in Riviera and Congressional and Southern Hills and Canterbury and Akron and, you know, all these different, Colonial and Fort Worth, my first one. Uh, those are the things, the courses and the people in the different areas, that's what means so much to me. It all speaks to the class of you, of Dave Stockton. Let's talk about this Masters for a second. You you alluded to some of it already. In 1970, Billy Casper wins the Masters. You opened 72-72, a third round 69, all of a sudden thrusts you up the leaderboard in a final round 70, finish, sees you finish in a tie for fifth. You didn't have a lot of experience at Augusta National under your belt. If I remember correctly, you'd only played one prior a tournament there as, as a professional. So what was it about that year in 1970 that seemed to click? Well, I just, you know, I had one colonial in 67 plus the Hague out at La Costa with Laurie Hammer. And uh, it gave me a lot of confidence. And then one, two, basically back-to-back Cleveland and Milwaukee in 68. And in 69, I didn't win, but I played well. And then, of course, 70, uh, coming into Southern Hills, I'd finished reading the book Psycho-Cybernetics. And my dad, which was very hard to read, but it was a, a book that I took two things out of. You had to be aggressive and that you had to picture what you were going to do ahead of time. It, you can't go into a tournament hoping you win and hoping you get lucky. Uh, I was I played my practice around on Monday walking around and realizing I'd already won the PGA there, and I was just going to enjoy it. And I pictured playing on Monday, playing the 18th hole, the amphitheater, the famous amphitheater there at Southern Hills. And I just pictured all these people. There's about three people on the hill when I finished that Monday morning. And uh, lo and behold, there were twenty to 30,000 there on Sunday when I came up with Palmer. And uh, it, it just it, it, it was obviously a big, huge boost to my career because I went from being you know, a one or two year exemption. All of a sudden now I had a 10 year exemption, which made a world of difference in what I could do and what I could plan. Fascinating stuff. All right. 1971 masters. Let's talk about that for a second. Charles Cootie, you end up finishing another top 10, a tie for ninth in this case, 72, 73, another third round 69, which is interesting. And a 72 in the final round. What was your mindset in that 1971 masters? Uh, it's just I, I look forward to going there, and I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I don't put any extra pressure on myself. Like I say, I, I was a little under – I was undergunned. I can re- <laughs> I can remember the first time I could actually go for the 15th green. I had 224 or 225 yards, and it was in a little breeze, but I know I, know I could get my three-wood there. And I one-bounced it into the lake on 16. I was so pumped oh. up that I was so excited. And let me tell you, that is no easy shot coming back more there by the pond on 16, trying to get back onto the 15th green. So it was still a learning experience. Uh, I could make some mistakes, but uh, I went into I went into Augusta every year thinking I was going to be in the top 10 and whether or not I got lucky enough to win. And But I, I knew that it was my kind of golf course because 
everybody had to putt those greens. I didn't care how long they were, you know, hitting shots into them. You know, the greens, the surfaces themselves were so good uh, that, you know, there's not a blade of grass on Augusta out of play. I mean, you could have the rainstorms, as you well know, go through, and you get out there the next morning thinking you're going to find stuff that's, you know, going to look a little messy and Augusta never looks messy. Augusta looks like it's the most walk and the most beautiful park you've ever been in. It wasn't messy in 1972 for Jack Nicklaus, that absolutely historic year of many that that Jack Nicklaus had. Uh, When he won the Masters that year, you finished, again, top 10, you finished tied for 10th. You opened with a 76. Your third round was a 74, but in between it, you had rounds of 70 and 71. Again, this goes right to the heart of what we were just talking about, Dave, the time period in which you played. I call it a time when Giants roamed, and here you had another top 10 at the Masters that special year. Yeah, it's, it, you know, they, they, you know it, it's hard in my memory bank. Obviously, 74 is the one that jumps out that you're slowly creeping up on. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I went there every year knowing that I was going to be right there. I mean, there, again, there, it's not like playing a U.S. Open where – I never went into one U.S. Open, uh, maybe other than Cherry Hills in Denver where I finished second, but I never went into one of those where I felt comfortable. I mean, you could start at Wingfoot when they put a sign on the first tee telling you that the car has been brodied on the first green and they had to change the pin. And we walk onto that green, and, and I've just driven to I've driven to Wingfoot down a cobble. You know, it felt like cobblestones. There were so many holes in the road. And we walked up on that first green where they had this damage, supposedly. And the greens were so hard, the car didn't do any damage to it at all. And, you know, that's that's a U.S. Open to me. I never knew what to expect. Uh, but at the Masters, I did. And it was a it was a feeling of comfort as soon as I drove down Magnolia Alley. Magnolia all right. Well, Alley let's, yeah, let's continue with that. You know where I'm going, 1974. Ultimately, it was Gary Player that won, but you finished in a tie for second. Uh, unbelievable second round for you in a second round 66 at that. Could you share with us your thoughts? As you said, 74 sticks out in your mind about everything, what you were thinking, what you were feeling, what happened? Well, again, good feeling going into it, but uh, having the great second round and maintaining it through the third round and going into the final round with a two or three shot lead at that point and playing with player, uh, it's the only Masters that I lost in my mind. Uh, and I, I had intended, it was probably the slowest the greens had ever putted for whatever reason, which was not my favorite thing. I liked the greens fast. But um, after the press conference, I had intended to go out and put lead tape on my putter because my Ray Cook is not a heavy, very, very heavy putter, and it's great on fast greens. But I was going to put a little bit of weight on it just because they, they seemed a fraction slower to me. And the press conference went longer than I thought, and it was dark by the time I finished, so I couldn't practice. And literally, I was on the fourth hole, the last round, and I realized I'd forgotten to put any lead tape on my putter, which is kind of dumb, I guess, on my part, obviously. But I remember playing the front side with player, and I hit every fairway, and I hit every green, and I had 20 putts the front side. And I three-putted number nine for my second three-putt, and I went from one ahead to one behind at that point and kind of stayed you know we, we we tied 10 11 and 12 with pars and i got on 13 and i pulled my tee shot but i killed it and i had 175 or 180 yards to the pin 
and player put it up in the trees probably 20 yards to the right of where Mickelson hit that fabulous six iron or whatever he hit, carving it out of the trees off the pine straw. Mm -hmm. And I see Gary pull this three-wood out, and I'm going, there is no way he can get on the green with this three-wood. I don't know what he's doing. and Because he's back there 225 or something. And sure enough, he hits this ball, and it lands short of the crick. The second bounce lands on the bridge, and the third rolls into the bunker. And I hit this I hit this four iron to the green about, I'm going to say, 16 to 18 feet. And he blasts out of the bunker about 12 feet in front of me. And I've got this eagle putt because I thought it would come down the hill, but it didn't. I was putting. So I putt. I leave it four inches short right in the heart. And mm. he makes a great putt, ties me on the hole. And looking back on it, that was that was just the thing. I mean, I couldn't believe what happened. And we we parted along. I had a great look from on seven, sixteen behind the hole, about oh nine ten feet, and I thought it was in, but somehow or other it didn't. And then this course history, he hits it stiff on seventeen about a foot. So now yeah. I'm two down with one to, and I put it in the back. I put it in the right bunker, and in the pins down the the left side front, you know eight the last day pin position and he puts it on the back of the green and i'm i'm barely out and i hit this i'm in this trap and i i knew that arnold had lost there by blading the thing over the green and i thought well we'll see what he does when i hold this and i literally lipped it out oh. and he two putted and i lost by two shots and you know i i felt bad but i knew i'd played well and everything and then of course i meet weisskopf and weisskopf's mad because that was his fourth second place finish there or something and I mean, I didn't even know there's anybody else playing. And that's kind of what you mentioned, the players and everything. To me, I always played the golf course. I mean, it didn't make any difference who it was. In this case, it just happened to be player. But it was even that was a, a fun evening because we got to go as second place finishers. And, and with Gary as the champion, went in the clubhouse and had the dinner. And it was just something that, you know, I, I've, I've won everything at Augusta that there is to win, including the par three contest, which that <laughs> – that's a whole nother story, but because uh, nobody's won the par three and then won the tournament that year, so and that that's still this. But that I had Weisskopf in a playoff there. He and Orville Moody in the par three contest. Yeah. Uh, I think it was seventy three or whatever it was. But Weisskopf guy, I forgot to tell the Weisskopf on the first tee in the in the par three. I said to him, I said, God, it's terrible to get nervous. And the tournament hadn't even started, and he looked right at me. And he says, "You're nervous." Now, I can't tell you what I told him, but I go, yeah, I'm nervous. He gets up. He drew it. He had to hit first. He hit the most beautiful shank I've ever seen. He shanked it so <laughs> high and far, it didn't come close to any of the 5,000 people that were watching. <laughs> he walks past me. I said, boy, that was a hell of a shot, Tom, for not being nervous. And I ended up beating Orville then because Tom was out of the playoff at that point. But uh that was it's it's all good. Augusta Augusta is a special spot. You, it's the one that it's the only one. Even the serious pros that are really good walk on pins and needles because you don't you can't use your phone. You can't do this, you know. But you in Kathy and I, you're talking about this year. I'm really looking forward to. It. I mean, they've cut down the number of people. I can't take the boys. The boys can't go to the course. Uh, but even like Donna Archer, George's George's widow, she couldn't get tickets this year. And it's just a tough, tough deal. But it, we're we're excited because we're going to get out of California, and we're actually going to get to Augusta, and they won't have 
I don't think hordes of people. So it's going to be fun to see. Maybe maybe do a lot more walking than we normally do. Love it, uh, Dave. Just one thing to keep in mind with your phone is try to keep it a little farther from you because we're we're starting to get right up on top of you with it with the frame. There you go. Sorry, That's perfect. You now, I want uh, I want yeah, it looks good. I want to circle back to one thing that you were talking about. When Gary Player hit that shot on 13, and it bounded, it went through a bridge, ended up in the bunker, and all the rest. The first time you told me about that shot, and you were saying about how fortuitous he was and all the rest, I remember talking to Gary Player about that shot. And and he brought it up, and instinctually I said, oh yeah, Dave Stockton told me about that. And he stopped telling the story, and he said, what did Dave say about it? So obviously mm-hmm. yep. he's what <laughs> he's wondering what your opinion is. Well, no, he knows that because I gave him fits. I mean, we're you know we're walking down the 14th hole, and I just I told him flat out on the 14th hole that I couldn't believe he tried a wood from there, you know. And he and I have talked about it. I mean, obviously he doesn't. I think he plays the golf course just like I do. He wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing, and any more than I was with him. But that was the most bizarre thing. But he he would never he he thought that was the perfect club to pull. Well, if if we'd had other chances, I wish he'd done that a few more times because it wasn't going to work out in his favor all that much, I don't think. But again, <laughs> it gets back to the thing that you want to be aggressive. You can't be passive. You really can't. Fascinating stuff. I, I cannot wait until we have an opportunity. Uh, you know, this is a busy week, obviously, with the Masters and all the rest as we're recording this before you head down. But I want to sit down and have this conversation with you about everything. I want to talk about that book. I want to talk about the majors. I want to talk about the wins. I want to talk about the people. I want to talk about the philosophy. I want to talk about the putting. I want to talk about the Ryder Cup, all of it. My friend, thank you very much. Safe travels. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. Continue to wish you the best and good health to you and all the family all the way through. And thank you as ever for your time. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. I, I, I'm feeling really good. you got a wonderful spot you're sitting there. It looks great, and I'll look Thank forward you. to talking to you soon. Take care. Thank you, sir. All right, folks. What you're looking at right now is footage from the Boeing Golf Resort. We are super excited to announce here and now of Masters Week that we are going back to Boeing. We're calling it a Fairways of Life family reunion because you know why? We haven't been able to do anything to speak of at large in so long, at least to the point where you don't feel like you're over, always looking over your shoulder. So what we put together with this one was a trip in September, right? Plenty of time, everybody getting their shots on the other side of this thing and a time to chill out and to relax and to play these golf courses and, and the videos that we were showing you, you could see the, what looks like the Inland Sea of Lake Michigan along those bluffs. Uh, that's that's the uh, Lynx course that we will be playing at uh, Bay Harbor, and we will be staying at Bay Harbor. We're really super looking forward to it. So it starts on September 8th. The website is fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne, B-O-Y-N-E. It's right over there. You can see it every day on the set. Uh, Boyne 2021. Fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021 for all the details. And what we decided to do with this trip was because we're calling a family reunion, we're going to open up the first night that we're there and we're going to have this huge uh, family style barbecue right on the lawn overlooking one of those high bluffs with with the lake behind us. Uh, You could stay at, they have these cottages on the property at 
that, that are absolutely gorgeous. You can see some of the property here that this, this is uh, just various. They have, they have three different resorts uh, at Boyne Golf. This is one of them. That's the Heather course that we will be playing. You can, you can see back behind it. This isn't Bay Harbor where we're staying. It's just one of the places that we're going and going to be playing. That also is the property that has the Donald Ross Memorial course, which Donna, uh, Dom called it when he did the write-up on uh, fairwayslife.com slash Boeing 2021. He called it like a Donald Ross greatest hits because they went out and they got the original plans and drawings of Donald Ross. Think about that for a second. They found similar topography. They matched the topography to the original with modern equipment, obviously. And then through that combination, they were able to create these holes to the specs of the original. And in fairness, probably even more so to the original specs than those holes that exist today, if they exist today, because uh, time changes. So contours and all the rest, it's just amazing what they were able to do. And it is great fun. That's another one of the courses that we'll be playing. But as I was mentioned to you, some of the things that we're going to do relative, say, to accommodations is that we have at least four or five different options for you of where you can stay. Uh, we're all going to stay right at Bay Harbor. That's, you can see it there. It's absolutely gorgeous. And there's, there's rooms with suites that look out over the lake. Uh, I'm recommending where, I, where I'm staying and where I hope you guys stay too. And I'm hoping that Dom and his, his wife, Rebecca, stay there. You can see the, see the building to the left if you're watching the TV side. When you go to the left of, of the ho- main hotel, which it'll play itself out, there are cottages. And these cottages look like buildings. You can see one there on the left. They look like where I'm from. And that's where we're going to have this huge kind of family reunion opening night just to get everybody together. There they are. Those are the cottages right there. And they're awesome. Uh, a chance for us uh, to, to shake hands and hug and do all those things that they told us that we couldn't, have, couldn't do for so long and dine together and golf together and, and play with all the other stuff that there is to do there together. And there are tons and tons of other things to do. So when we mentioned to you about the fact that we're coming together as a family collectively and also hoping that you will come to us as a family uh, with your spouse. Um, it, he or she, if they do or do not play golf, it really doesn't matter because we're, everyone is going to be getting a gift card so that they can partake in whatever they want to. Uh, you're looking at some of the summer shots of Boyne Mountain. And one of the cool things that they do is those chairlifts, they run some of the chairlifts throughout the summer too. So you can see the resort from on high in these different perspectives. You can see some of the, some of the green uh, ski runs behind that building there. It really fun, but they, but they also have zip lines that, that you can partake in. And my wife and, and one of my sons have done the zip lines many times and they have fun with that. You, you can uh, rent bicycles. Uh, you can go uh, off-road on the trails. There's, there's some shots of the zip line, which was zip lining, which is so cool. And it goes on seemingly forever. So fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021 is what we have planned. We have multiple meals planned together, big banquets. And, and the last one will be the real fancy one that we're going to do. And, and as Andrew was showing some video of someone doing like flips on the zip line, where if you've got that kind of courage, more power to you. But there are 10 golf courses up there, and we're going to play a ton of golf. Just that's our plan. We're just going to play a ton of golf. But on top of that, the way that Dom and Ken at Boyne Golf have structured this trip is that they've left pockets of time that you can fill with if you're 
so inclined, or it, some might say even crazy enough to play more golf than what we have planned, you're welcome to it. Or if you want to, you can take part in any of the other amenities. And there are tons of them from the spa on all these different things that we're talking about. All the details and all the choices are listed on the website at fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. And again, there you can see it. Now, this is in northern Michigan, not the UP. It's in the lower half of the glove, but you will feel like you're at Pebble Beach looking at the Pacific Ocean, but that inland sea is Lake Michigan. It is absolutely incredible. And so, while we're there, we're also going to do the live broadcasts of Fairways of Life on digital radio as well as on television. That will be broadcast all over the world. As I mentioned to you, we're going to have these really fancy dinners that are, that are worked in here as well as our opening barbecue. And we all just get together as part of what I'm calling just a family reunion because it's a chance for, for us to hang out together. We are so much looking forward to it, really excited about the fact that you can join us for this trip. It's going to be taking place in September. And yes, that was deliberate. It's before anything crazy happens on the schedule, meaning the fact that there's a Ryder Cup in September will be on the other side of all of that. But we're still very much going to enjoy your company. We cannot wait to share this experience with you. The last time we were at Boyne Golf, uh, we did kind of a mini version of what we're talking about this time, where we encourage people to bring their spouses, uh, again, whether he or she play golf or not, bring them along. There's so many things to do there and you can have fun with. One of the things, just as an aside, that I love is that at Boyne Mountain, uh, the rooms at Boyne Mountain are multiple-story rooms, three bedrooms upstairs, and downstairs you have a full kitchen, uh, another full bath and shower, and all the rest. So there's plenty of room to spread out if, if for example, you wanted to stay in accommodation like that. We're staying on our trip at, at uh, Bay Harbor. But we, when we stay there, we go downstairs. They have this huge gymnasium, and as part of the gymnasium, they have this heated pool. And the reason why the heated pool is, is of distinction is because in the wintertime, we have been there where the pool is inside and you swim under this cover and you're outside in the heated pool. And we've been out there when it's been snowstorms, ice storms. I was out there one time in an absolute blizzard because they, then they have a hot tub right next to it. And it's such a cool experience to be hanging out there, chilling out there, literally, uh, while you're being cooked in this in this hot tub and there's there's just snow blowing all around you. It's, it's an unbelievable experience. The whole trip is going to be an unbelievable experience. I'm quite sure that when we're there in September, we won't get hit by a blizzard, but we will get hit by a storm of fun. Uh, I certainly hope. Fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. Fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. Please sign up as soon as you can because these trips always fill up very quickly and we cannot wait. We really hope to share this experience with all of you. All right. We have a special guest coming up after these words, and this guest is one of the most prominent golf architects in all of the world. You've heard of Corin Crenshaw, Bandon, all the rest. I know you have. Bill Corr is going to join us after these words to talk about the uniqueness of Augusta National. And from there, we're going to talk with a champion about how and why you do what you do in terms of execution on that golf course in order to have a chance, and in this person's case, the actual victory at Augusta National and the Masters. Cannot wait for that. Biofit360.com. When you get an opportunity, please log on to their website. As I've told you guys before, I use it. My wife uses it. Uh, Donna uses it for, for a number of different reasons because she, she has a really bad knee that, that she's planning on getting a knee replacement. But the pain management of that 
caused her to not be able to sleep very well. So she started taking CBD so that she would just feel better overall. And then she found out along the way, she said it took about three weeks and she started to sleep better than she ever has in her entire life. And so we're super excited about BioFit 360. Heather, the president, was on with us recently and explained all of the, I guess you could call it technology, but at least science behind it in terms of how and why it works the way that it does. It was incredibly uh, revealing uh, and very encouraging for a lot of different reasons. And I hope that you guys are encouraged by the knowledge that you do not have to endure with chronic pain. There's 100 million Americans that are. You don't have to be one of them. Just log on to biofit360.com and get started today feeling better, doing better, and in fact, being better. When we come back, Bill Corr will be the first voice you hear. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today.
So in our discussion about Augusta National, uh, we asked Bill Core from the legendary golf course architectural firm, Core and Crenshaw, to join us to provide us with some insights. First of all, Bill, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to see you again. And I'm going to jump right in in the interest of time. You and, and, and Ben have both said that in the establishment of your firm, you were inspired by Golden Age architecture. This idea, I guess, and, and, and I'm not trying to define it, I'm just, I'm just setting it up as a talking point, of taking from the land that which the land would give. When you look at the property that is Augusta National, in your architectural mind, can you see it as the nursery that it once was and see what it's evolved into? Oh, Matt, without question. I mean, if you, for anyone who's been there and walked those grounds, and uh, first of all, the, the sheer beauty, you can envision it being, uh, you know, a nursery as it was, and um, must have been an incredible one uh, <laughs> back in its day. But, um, but the landforms themselves, you can, you can see so easily as well why um, Dr. McKenzie and Clifford Roberts and, of course, Bobby Jones would have been uh, so enamored of it. How, uh, particularly for uh, for Mr. Jones and and uh, uh, Dr. McKenzie, how it could have reminded them of a of a site or or made them feel like it was a site that, even though it was inland, they could produce a golf course that would. Uh, uh, play very much like uh, the seaside links that they both so admired uh, and uh, using natural landforms to to be able to to influence shots and and guide shots uh, on the ground as well as through the air there so it's uh, it's it would be easy to see if you just walked out on that natural site and say hmm this looks like this feels like golf it's interesting that you said that, too, because uh, word is uh, from back in the day that Bobby Jones wanted it to play basically like an inland St. Andrews, like the old course at St. Andrews. Of course, it's much more hillier than the, the property along the sea in, in the old Grey Tune, uh, but it is truly beautiful indeed. Uh, from that standpoint, Augusta National, although playing like an inland links to some extent in its original concept, still is very much about a strategic golf course, Bill. Would, would you agree, particularly in terms of uh, approaching where the hole might be cut on one day to another? Oh, I think without question, Matt. Um, uh, certainly the course has evolved since uh, Bobby Jones and Dr. McKenzie did it. Uh, you know, it's, it's quite different and, and plays, therefore, quite differently. But uh, I think from all the history you can read, um, that uh, they certainly did. They so admired the way the old course at San Andrews played and, and the, the ability to play different um, avenues off the tee, not being dictated to that you had to play to this spot or that spot to provide options, to pro- provide very uh, uh, imaginative playing uh, as well as skillful playing. And again, using the ground as well as through the air. I, I think I think they saw in that site the ability to do that, even though, as you say, it's on a a much more hilly uh, piece of ground and it's inland, not by the sea. But it's I, I, from everything I've read and can understand and even seeing the course many years ago, um, they were particularly 
trying to create situations where tee shots, even though there were very wide corridors into which to play, um, the preferred spot to be would give you the then preferred angle to the greens um, for your approach shots to get to the right portions of the greens. And as we've all seen on TV all these years, if you're in the the wrong or uh, portions of the greens, even though you're on the putting surface, uh, <laughs> success is not only not guaranteed, it's not likely. And uh, so I do believe that was a, a huge part of the course, particularly early on, to be able to position your ball, uh, not just put it in the fairway, because the fairways for so many years were you know, extremely generous, but uh, to put it in the proper position in the fairway to then be able to approach the greens. And uh, that has, mm, I, this is my personal opinion, but that has uh, probably changed through the years. Uh, the fairways have, have gotten less generous in terms of width. Uh, there are probably some areas that where the, where the best players once wanted to play that are now not even in the fairways. Um, and, and that's understandable, Matt, given the evolution of not just players and their physical abilities, but the equipment, the ball, the, the, the maintenance of the course, everything is, is such that it's understandable to know why they have narrowed fairways, planted more trees, um, perhaps restricted some of those options that were that were once there. Bill Corr, that's why we asked to have you on. Fascinating insights. Thank you for those. CorrinCrenshaw.com is the website if you're looking for more information on anything that Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw are working on. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time once again. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. There you can see the beauty of Augusta, just what Bill was talking about at that 13th hole. That's one of the images from Evan Schiller, who we have a partnership with, with his beautiful images. Make sure you check out his website. And I know a lot of the images that he takes, he mounts on these metal boards. Dom, that one, the picture that's behind you in your studio, isn't that one of the, a mini metal board? Well... Oh, yeah, I recognize it very well. That's the par 3 15th at Bally Bunyan. Probably the greatest par 3 in the world. It plays into, you can see the, the shot behind Dom. It play, that's the sea behind it. And so the wind is coming off the sea. You've got a dune on the left, so you've got to cut it towards the dune because the wind is going to rip it back towards the green. And if you are too conservative, it pushes it right of the green. And on that side, you'll find nothing but skeletons over there. So it's just, it's incredible. There's skeletons in there too, Dom. Those, those are actually, those are burial holes that are there just so that th- things don't smell. But yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable place. And, and to hear from Bill Corr was unbelievable. Now, when you talk about strategy, he's talking about design strategy and the beauty of it and how ingenious it is. But what about the strategy that a player has to employ in order to assure the best tournament that they can play there or better yet to become a champion at Augusta National. Mark O'Meara explained it to us in a way that only a champion can. Well, my thoughts at, at Augusta were always like, um, you know, I will always consider myself not the best ball striker by any means, Matt, but I also believe that I was one of the better putters. 
And to win around Augusta National, you know, you have to putt well. It's just plain and simple. If you don't roll the, the rock around Augusta, and it takes sometimes some experience understanding the golf course, where to, to put your golf ball while you're playing around there. Uh, and, and it seemed like all the years that I'd played there prior to 98, I either hit the ball pretty well and didn't putt well, or, you know, I putted really well and I didn't hit it that good. So, and I don't have the power that a lot of the younger players and some of the guys that can really pound it out there. So I needed to rely more on my wedge game on the par fives, you know, my distance control with my irons into the greens. And then hopefully I could put all that together and then, you know, have a good putting week. And if I could do that, then maybe someday I could break through. But, you know, it, it, it's a special place. I mean, Augusta National, the Masters, um, I can't think of a, a better setting in our sport than that event. I mean, the, the club, the Masters tournament, we all watch it. A lot of us have been there. Some of us that haven't been there, you know, want to be there. And, and uh, all I can say is that it's, it's kind of golf heaven. Golf heaven indeed. Now, to understand that golf heaven even more, we tapped into one of our friends, a guy who I've had the pleasure to work with for a long time at Golf Channel. Although the day we talked to him, he kind of looked like he was hiding out somewhere in a cave. But nonetheless, from within the cave of his mind, he shared with us some amazing observations on Augusta National, a place that he competed in and contended in many times. Stuart Appleby. And as a player, knowing where Ray's Creek or the most immediate portion of Ray's Creek is, which can be many, many hundreds, if not half a mile or more away, knowing where that is on a green, especially plays a huge role. I mean, that five or 10 degree difference uh, and that course knowledge is probably like no other. I would say the only other course, which is very much the opposite would be St. Andrews is knowing how to tack your way around St. Andrews. But Augusta is all about where's Ray's Creek, where's the slope, what markers can I use off the green the second pine tree or the scoreboard on the front of 10 and all these things make a, I honestly take dozens and dozens of rounds of golf before you come become comfortable with it. Uh, and Race Creek is one of those inbuilt uh, knowledges you must have a, a great feel for. That's fascinating, Stuart, because the spirit of Bob Jones is happy right now because when he originally wanted to design the golf course in his property, he wanted it to be an inland St. Andrews old course like uh, layout and, and, to, and to think that there's that kind of nuance hidden through uh, and revealed through experience is, is absolutely fascinating. Now, in your experience from the first time that you were there, what, what year? Do you recall what was the first year that you were at Augusta National? Uh, my first year would have been 97, I believe. Okay. So, not, wow. A, a very uh, important one at that. So, in, from 1997 until the last time that you competed at the Masters, how much of a change in the golf course did you notice and what kind of changes did you see? A lot of changes. Um, the things that really blew me away is how they could make a change in 12-month period. And you were told about the change. You were like, okay, we've added 25 yards or we've moved the tee a little bit. And you'd look around and be like, yeah, I guess. You couldn't, there was no, there was no scars on the ground. There was, the turf was perfect. Everything looked like it had been there for 10 years. Um, probably one of the, the biggest changes was 11, tee shot. You know, the, they planted dozens and dozens of large, what's now becoming large, uh, pines down the right-hand side. That used to be a runway, literally a place to land a plane. It was, it was so easy to hit. It was such a, if you were a long hit, a very approachable hole. 
Then they started moving the tee multiple times and angling it back. And now it's one of the most demanding tee shots you can find in one of the most brutal holes and probably plays more like the, uh, the blood pressure tension on Sunday that like it did 50 years ago. Um, it, every hole had little tweaks and they were all done with class and they were done with intelligence and done with all the factors taken in, tilts of greens, everything. I mean, you've, I've never felt and sensed the quality of the work they did was surgical, not in just the, like you mentioned, they've got resources like nobody else, but just you still have to get it geographically right, the slope's right, the pin's right, what's fair, what's going to not be fair, and they did it every year brilliantly. And obviously, you know, if Tiger Woods hadn't turned up or turned up five years later, we'd be only we'd be five years further into the progression or back from the progression of changing the course. But the, the, the facilities, the media, now you can talk from the media point of view, the new driving range, I mean... They are big picture for sure. Uh, Stuart, did you have a particular philosophy when, when you were at Augusta National, particularly when you were playing well at the Masters in terms of how you were approaching your, your competitive play on either an individual hole or, or the golf course as a whole? You know, I guess if I answer that question a little bit backwards a bit, um, I think you'll be able to tell me, was it 1997 that Jack Nicholas played really well, correct? 98, he played really well, yeah. 98, okay, so 98. So I played with him the first two days, and it was pretty awesome, <laughs> no doubt about that, to see what looked like for a young man like me. This guy looked 100 and was just you know playing unbelievable golf, and we all know about his record there. But I remember growing up in my amateur years when I was becoming a better amateur, I was playing at Royal Melbourne and so on, very fast, hard greens. I'd heard about Augusta my whole life, and I'm like, holy cow, Augusta's greens, Augusta's greens. And I got up there, and I think I shot like one or two over par, and with and the greens were lightning. But later on, I found out that was as quick as I'd ever got. And from then on, I was always sort of, okay, if that's Augusta, then I can understand Augusta. But what I didn't realize with Augusta, and I'd never grown up in a, with a golf course at all that was, was more like St. Andrews than Augusta, was just reading these, we talk about Ray's Creek, these pulling forces that didn't always show up in your vision and feel. And I found Augusta very tr- tricky. And the one year I played really well in 07 was the year that was really cold, which honestly I thought we were going to get this week. And it was really cold. And I decided I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to, you know, I'm playing really well. I, I played well. At, um, I think I finished second the week before at Houston to maybe Adam Scott. So I was, had some form. But I always found Augusta so hard to put your arm around and, and, and nurture and get comfortable with because it's constantly tricking you and I had a notebook on that course on my yardage book I had notes after notes after notes where one I had five or six pins where to hit it to that pin where to be on this pin do I want to be long do I want to be right do I want to be left and I had to commit to that and I'd never had a course where I had to write basically all these instructions of where to hit the ball Um, and I miss Augusta from that point of view but uh, it was tactically such a difficult golf course to get around and I found it very hard obviously I didn't play well in that 07 year on Sunday I was playing with Tiger which is another animal altogether but you know playing 72 holes there well or pretty much well is just the toughest test I think. Fascinating stuff isn't it the beauty of Augusta National the strategy of Augusta National so well discussed and explained to us by Stuart Appleby. And we thank everybody for the 
contributions that they made to today's show. It's great to get a chance to speak with these champions. And we will speak with a champion of the Masters again tomorrow in the form of the guy who won it back in 1971. Go look it up. And it was amazing because when he won it, do you know who's trying to chase him down? This is the celebration of the obvious question. Yeah, no, none other than Jack Nicklaus, the same guy that Stuart Appleby was talking about all those years later who was still playing so well. It's going to be amazing. We cannot wait, and we're excited about it because Dom's already put in, I think, a couple of hours of, of making sure the technology works for this gent going into it. So fingers crossed that it will be as great as we are anticipating that it's going to be. Again, the trip to Boyne, fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021. It's B-O-Y-N-E for those of you listening to us on the radio side. Fairwaysoflife.com slash Boyne 2021 for our Fairways of Life uh, family reunion. Cannot wait. Thank you to the PGA Tour Superstore for being one of our presenters of the Fairways of Life show. We are so proud to represent the number one golf retailer in America. The reason why they are, I was there yesterday. I was at one of the stores checking things out. I, I was getting a new uh, grip on my putter as well. And and speaking with, so I was at the uh, store in Orlando. It's on the road called Turkey Lake. And uh, there, the GM there, Steve, was came out and was talking to me about the how things are going and the product that's that's loading into the stores and and I mean as an equipment guy the the, the crazy things that I do I was looking at end caps and seeing what the different companies were doing in terms of drawing attention to their products so that you can distinguish products from another the the beauty of it is is that when you go to a PGA Tour superstore you are dealing with professionals you're dealing with experts at what they do and they get paid to be experts. Their job isn't just to sell you a product, whether that product is running shoes or a baseball glove or exercise equipment or a golf bag or golf balls or golf club. That, that's, they are not that kind of big box store. This is devoted to the game of golf. So whatever you're looking for in the game of golf, you have experts to help you find what is perfect for you. And yeah, that does come down to making sure that you get fit for that which you invest in. You can do all of that at the PGA Tour Superstore. I call them heroes because they are, and I don't mean that lightly with the term heroes and how it applies, but I mean it from the standpoint of the joy that they ensure because they make sure that what you want is what you get and it's perfect for you. You can shop online at pjtoursuperstore.com. You can shop safely inside of their stores. You can even pick it up curbside if you want to. And we're super excited to have the honor of representing the PGA Tour Superstore chains, over 40 of them spread out throughout America. Thank you. It was an honor to have your company today as well. Looking forward to discussing more of everything that surrounds uh, the Masters. As we mentioned, a Masters champion on live with us tomorrow. And we'll go deep into how, when, where you can get all of your coverage from the Masters so that no matter what you're doing, no matter what current the life uh, you have is taking you, you can make sure that you have that stream of Masters information coming to you and entertainment in whatever form that you want it to, because it's all out there in all these various forms. So we'll get into that tomorrow as well. Until then, again, thanks for your company and goodbye for now.